0: Come from First Timothy chapter two verses one through two. This is on page one thousand three hundred sixty-two on the pew Bibles. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Good morning. Great to be here with you today, thankful that you are here, that you have chosen of all places you could be today to be here. I'm thankful for those who are joining us this morning on the live stream. Just getting back from spending a week with about a thousand teenagers is pretty awesome at Freed University at Horizons. Uh, Last Sunday night Philip spoke and did an exceptional job and uh, it was also Lucas, it was his birthday, he had the whole crew sing happy birthday to him that's a pretty good deal. It was a really neat week, but I think it was pretty hard on me. I'm not going to lie. Friday, Thursday night, I went to fill up with gas. So the next morning, after I got up and got packed up, we could start heading back. I went to the gas station and filled up with gas and went in to pay. And the attendant looked at me and goes, son, you look like you've had a hard day. I said, well, I've been with a 1,000 te- thousand teenagers all week. He said, well, that ought to do it. And I'm like, yes, it ought to. But I'm going to be honest with you. It was awesome. To see God work this way, to see God work powerfully in the lives of these young people. We had four of our teens there. Then it's incredible to look around and see uh, two of our college students are interning at a congregation. They were working there this week on staff. And also to see uh, one of our young men who grew up here, he's a full-time youth minister, be there all week. Uh, Mount Juliet has a lot to be proud of, and I'm thankful for that. It was hot this year. It's amazing. The theme was uh, Rise Up. Next year, I want it to be Please Send Lazarus. I mean, it was hot. Needed some water there. Uh, But we are thankful to be there, and I'm thankful to be back here with you. Let's go to God in prayer as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, you are absolutely amazing. And today we come before you to tell you of your greatness, to show our adoration to you. And Lord, we pray that we ask for your guidance and your wisdom. Lord, help us today to look at your word and see what you would have us to and give our congregation wisdom to follow you in every way. In Christ, and we pray, amen. If you wanted to learn about basketball, who would you like to sit down with? See, there are things every year. There are some big-time coaching clinics, not just for middle school coaches or high school coaches, but there are coaching clinics for for college coaches. And they want to go, in, and through time, there have been some very much requested speakers that if these guys or, or ladies spoke, that is who people wanted to hear. Now, if I were to ask you today, who would you like to hear, Uh several people would say, you know what, if he were alive, I'd love to hear John Wooden. John Wooden is the most successful, I think championship-wise, basketball coach of all time. He was filled with wisdom and kindness, never used a foul word. Some coaches evidently believe you have to cuss to motivate people. Mr. Wooden did not believe that. I love one of his quotes. He, He says, seek opportunities to show you care. The smallest gestures often make the biggest difference. That's what he tells coaches. There's a lot about John Wooden I'd love to share and probably will different sermons. And another very popular coach people would like to hear is Pat Summit. What she would say is this, here's how I'm going to beat you. I'm going to outwork you. That's it. And that's all there is to it. Peyton Manning said something very similar. You may have more talent, you may have more ability, but I can control how hard I work. That was one of her things. She was going to be a hard worker. Many people, you may not want to be yelled at, but I think Bobby Knight would probably yell this. Uh, he would say, the key is not the will to win. Everybody has that. It is the will to prepare to win that is important. That is something that he would share, and this is something he said when he coached the 1984 Olympic team. used to be that if your team won the national championship, then you were selected over to be the Olympic coach, and that's what happened back in 1984. There are people who who like Coach K. There's people here that do not, but he would say this. Everyone on your team is important. Importance knows no rank. We could talk about John Calipari. He says, it's not just about working hard, it's about working together. You have to care more about your team than you do about yourself or, or maybe Dean Smith. He would say, when you make a mistake, recognize it, admit it, learn from it, and forget it. It seems like a pretty good sermon. I also love one of his quotes. He said this, if you make every game a life or death proposition, you're going to have problems. For one thing, you'll be dead a lot. Coach Meyer. Successful programs consist of people working hard, working together, while never worrying about who gets the credit. If you've read anything about Coach Meyer, it was always about servanthood. That's who he was. So if you had an opportunity to sit down on a porch with anybody and you want to learn about basketball, you may pick one of these people here, maybe somebody else you like. What if you had the opportunity to learn about leadership in the church? To learn about what a church should be, to learn about those things. And, and I think it's important. Because the church is God's blessing to us here on earth, but it's not just a blessing to us. It is an opportunity to have a family here on earth that is connected by the blood of Christ, where we lift one on one another up, where we bless one another, where we encourage one another, and where we help show other people Jesus and, and help more people to come to Him. We first Timothy. And we've talked about why is it that Paul wanted to send Timothy to Ephesus? It's because Ephesus needed a healthy church. And for a healthy church to be there, they had to have healthy teaching. They had to have a healthy vision of Jesus. And they also had to be people who prayed, a praying church. So it was read for us just a couple of moments ago. I'm thankful. It said, I urge you first of all to pray for all people. Ask God to to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Paul says pray for everybody, especially those who are in authority. I wish I had time to to go through and, and to lay out this text and my plan will be to come back to it But as you know, that we are currently uh, praying about and thinking about uh, adding more shepherds. And so what I want to do is I want to jump ahead a little bit. Next week, we're going to talk about some 1 Timothy 3 things, about the qualifications of elders. But I want us to to look at something in in the Bible that is very special. It's an opportunity to look into an elders' meeting. There's only one I know of in Scripture. that you see a group of elders come together and here's what's awesome. They come together with maybe the greatest church coach of all time, Paul. Paul wrote more about church leadership than anybody else, and, and he asked them to come together. So I want us to think about this. As we're looking for godly shepherds, can I tell you it's a very exciting time in the history of this congregation. It always is. And we want to be people who are prayerful about it, as, as Paul has just said. told told uh, Timothy to tell people to pray for all people. And we want to look at this letter that Paul has written. What's amazing is, in Acts chapter 20, if you want to go ahead and open your Bible, that's where we are going. It said, Paul loved the church at Ephesus. He went there on his first missionary journey, and he lived there about three years. That's where he wrote 1 Corinthians, while he was living there. He established churches, and he appointed his strength and strengthened leadership there. That's why years later, he wanted to send Timothy there to minister. It is a place that he loved, a place that he cared for, a church that he wanted to see continue to grow in him. And what he wants to do is he wants to talk to the shepherds. And he calls an elders meeting and asks the elders to travel 50 miles to see him. That's not a short trip, especially back then. Now, we could jump in a vehicle and we could, we could be there de- depending on where we were going. If we were going on uh, Mount Juliet Road, it might take us four days to get there, 50 miles, okay? But if it were early in the morning, we could get there at a relatively short amount of time, but that's what happens. Let's look at Acts 20, beginning verse 17. It says, Now from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. When they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching to you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value nor precious to myself if only I may finish my course of the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus. To testify the gospel of the grace of God, What's he's saying, I know everywhere I go, I'm going to be put in prison. But you know why I do it? Because that is what God wants me to do to teach the gospel to let people know who Jesus is, to let people know that the King is here, that He has come, that the death, burial, and resurrection has happened, that the Messiah has come. He wants people to know that. He said, Now behold, I have, I know that none of you among whom have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you to this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I do not shrink from declaring to you the old counsel of God. What's he saying to these people? I'm not coming back. I'm toward the end of my life. I, I could die at any time and I, I don't think I will ever see you again. When I read this, you say, he says, I lived among you. He, he shared his life with them. He loved them. He preached God's word to them. He said, I can live in a clear conscience going somewhere else because I know that to you and to your congregation, I have preached the gospel. I'm not going to see again. He wants to encourage them to remain faithful and remember what their work is. The lesson's about to start. He's about to share with them, I think, what he believes the work of an elder is. Next week, we'll look at the the qualities or qualifications. I want us to look at the work today. As Paul lays it out, he, he says in this biblical leadership, here's what the work is. He says, and he knows that Ephesus is not an easy place to be an elder. It's a difficult place there because people are very wealthy. What's the problem with wealthy people? Is God against wealth? Not at all. Some of God's greatest servants, Abraham, David, we can go on, were very, very wealthy. What's the problem? It is very easy to trust in money instead of trusting in God. And so it creates a a, a problem. So it's a wealthy city also. It's a place that is filled with idolatry. A place that is filled with people who, who look to Artemis in that temple, or the temple of Diana, which was a, a place filled with what? Immorality. A place that dealt with the occult, with they, people who were pagans. If, if they wanted uh, rain, they would pray to this God or, or give to this God. If, if they wanted the sun to shine, they would give to this God. If they wanted fertility, if they wanted children, they would give to this God. If, whatever they wanted, they would go and, and worship those different beings instead of worshiping the very true God. It was a place filled with false teaching, and it was a place that people struggled with external and internal spirituality. If we were to continue today in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he would tell the men to to lift holy hands in prayer. That has nothing to do with a posture. It actually means your hands being up, it's an open and clean lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that's spiritual, and he turns around and tells the ladies to do what? Don't worry about how you dress on the outside to be impressive to others. Clothe yourself in what? Humility, and live a spiritual life on the inside. I think part of that's a wealth issue. Again, starting at the beginning, some of the things that were going on. So it's a difficult place to be a shepherd. But he's going to start talking to him. Let's begin here to see this picture of being a shepherd and a group of shepherds in the kingdom that he lays out. Acts twenty twenty eight says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. What does he say? Elders need to be self-aware. They need to make sure they look at their own life and also that they look at the lives of one another so that they can do what? Encourage one another and hold one another Accountable. Jerry Barber asked the question often in his elder workshops, who shepherds shepherds? So one of the reasons there is a plurality of shepherds in every church is so that shepherds can shepherd one another. It's a big deal. And we look at this, and, and he calls the man. Notice he did not send for the chief elder to come talk to him. He didn't say, send me the elder who who I have to run things by. He sends for all of them. See, I I think that's a challenge sometimes. One of the wisest men I've ever met was was an elder for 37 years at Spring Hill. And the first time that he even talked to me on the phone about going to Spring Hill, he said this, Craig, you need to know that here's what we believe about the eldership. Number one, the elder by himself has no authority. Authority solely lies in the plurality of men that's called the eldership. He said if an elder tells you to do something, unless he has been elected representative by the other elders, you come to the elders and say, hey, is this an eldership decision or is he acting alone? So if he's acting alone, you don't have to do it. We function as a group of people, and I think that's one of the reasons Paul didn't say, can a couple of elders come? Can just one elder come? Uh, he wanted to do what? He wanted to talk to these men together. Can you imagine how arrogant you could be and say, oh, by the way, I'm the one that went to see Paul, so I'm pretty special now. I have this special knowledge the rest of y'all don't have. I've had this training. And he wants them to have this. He, he continues on here. Guys, go forward one. It's, it is stuck. And while they're scrambling, I'll keep on preaching. All right. When we look here, he's not finished yet. In verse 28, he he continues on down and and talks about what is needed there. He wants people to see that that it's not just about uh, individuality. What he wants people to be able to do is to see one another and to work together as a group and to care about people. When he looks at this, he he goes on beyond this. And and he says um, that we have to take care of all the flock. We have to take care of all the flock. Can you imagine how challenging that would be to an eldership? That means to shepherd the ones who don't want to be shepherded. how, How tough is that? How tough would that be to, to be a part of a group and, and to say your, your job is to take care of all the flock, from the peoples who are leaders, from the people who are trying to make a difference out there, the people who are teaching classes, the people who are volunteering, to the people who are hurting. To take care of all the flock, to take care of those who are happy, to take care of those who are sad, to take care of those who are immature, to take care of the mature. To take care of those who like to fight. To take care of those who have energy and are full of life. To take care of those who are hurting and sick. To take care of those who are lost. See, looking over all the flock is a difficult job. But he says, pay attention to yourselves and to all the flock. That's what he says. And he said, remember this, what that the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which He obtained by His own blood. He reminds them what? The church isn't yours, it's His. And you are a steward. And you are to be a shepherd of His His flock to care for them. This care means what? To provide, and provide what is necessary for the health and welfare and maintenance and growth and protection of someone or something. It is it is what is there. He said, why does it matter? He he goes on, he said, because ravenous wolves are going to come in. He says this in verse 29. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own cells will arise men speaking twisted things to draw the disciples away after them with a scary thought what a scary scary thought to know this would be going on because what he says is that they will arise from within you it's sort of easy to pick this one out and say if you look if it's alone by itself but you look in a group sometimes it's hard to see. And all of a sudden your sheep start dying and you're like, what's happening? What's happening is someone's trying to lead them away. That's why it's very, very important that elders know what? The truth and teach the truth. Because healthy sheep are difficult to lead away. Healthy sheep are difficult to lead away. Not only ones who are are well-fed on God's word, but those who have learned to develop their own strength and being able to teach and encourage and, and have a part and have a ministry. They're difficult to lead away. He said, I need you to care for them. He said, since this is going to happen, elders need to do what? He says, be alert, remembering that for three years, I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance. Among all those who are sanctified, said, you have to be alert. You ever been here? Poured the wrong thing in your cereal? I did that not long ago. Uh, I eat this uh, Kashi cereal sometimes, and it's basically like eating a hay bale, okay? It says it has chocolate in it. I'm still searching for it, but it tells me it's there, and I'm a man of faith, so I'm going to trust that it's there. And I got up one morning a little bit tired, so I went over and I I got my coffee and and I got the the bowl of hay bales, and and I reached over and reached in and realized that I had filled that bowl up with half and half. It's the best bowl of cereal I've ever had. (laughs) If you're going to eat a hay bale, half and half makes it go down a lot better. It's expensive, but it's good. It's so easy to get distracted. Those of us who enjoy hunting would do just about anything to have this walk in front of us. But I wonder how many of us have had something really nice walk in front of us, but we weren't exactly paying attention. I grew up hunting with my cousins, and we have a cousin seven years younger than I am, and I hunt with he and his brothers, and uh, he, uh, we all had deer on the wall, and he had none. I think because every time we got back to the house and talked about our hunting experience, it went like, and then I woke up. He was sleeping in the stand, and then I woke up, and by that time, it was What? It was too late. There was one day a deer stepped out in between us. I didn't know where he was, but I said, I think it's closer to him. I'm going to give him a chance. So I'm watching a clock, and I'm watching that deer. And once I got to saw that it had nine points, I was going to watch it less amount of time. I'm like, come on, man, you've got to be seeing it. And then I went ahead and took it. And he said, man, I woke up and I saw it. It's amazing how easily distracted that we are, distracted driving, realize the law has changed, you can't have a phone out at all when you're driving. Now, I think the first offense is $50. And the thing is, it isn't the money because it could be that you don't get caught, but this happens. See, what happens is, when we get distracted, it's amazing what what can happen and the thing. What happens when a shepherd and a group of shepherds gets distracted? Wolves can come in and destroy. See, we, we need to make sure that that, 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 that our shepherds, and, and they have to look at themselves and say, am I alert? Am I looking at what's going on? And he says, be alert. And he says, now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to do what? To build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. Here's what's amazing. Can you imagine how intimidated the shepherds would be after he says wolves are going to come in? And they're going to come in from among you and they're going to destroy everything else. And now he comes back to give them what? Some encouragement. I'm going to tell you what can help. God will help. His word will help. Because it will build you up. Also, there is something waiting for those who remain faithful. There is an inheritance. I know that we have men right now who are considering. You may have already been asked if you uh, would be willing to have your name put before the congregation. That's, that's daunting in and of itself. And you may be wondering, can I do this work? Can I tell you, here's the strength that you will have. God and His Word. And He gives that to, to everyone. It is there. You you have that. You have a Spirit living in you. You have the strength And said, I'm not going to give you a job and then not equip you for it And you may be saying, why would I do this? This is not an easy work. I can do all these things. And he says, hey, there's a great blessing. There's a great blessing there for you. He said, I'm going to give you what you need to build you up. I love this. Paul says, I coveted no one silver or gold. You know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. Remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he did what? Himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. As soon as he said, here's the strength, he said, you need to know this is an example I left for you to, to follow. He said, being an elder is going to be hard work. It's going to be challenging, but part of that hard work, here's what I want you to do. Make sure you're people who are compassionate and that you're generous and you help the weak. Maybe saying, why should I do this? He goes, because that's what Jesus did. And that's the legacy Jesus left to, to do what? Live your life and to work hard and take care and be compassionate, to have someone who is touched by those who are hurting. And after he talks about being vulnerable and seeing those and hurting within, we see something very personal. Very, very personal. Uh, Paul says, And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful, and most of all, because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see him again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Wow. Shepherds have compassionate hearts, hearts that know they have emotion and they're not afraid to show them. They shouldn't be. Jesus wept. John 11, 35 It's there, right? Jesus wept. Men who genuinely love one another, men who love their preacher, I'm thankful for that. We can skip the kissing, okay? I want you to love me. We we can do a hearty handshake. I'm good with that. What do we see here? There's nothing fake about them. They're genuine. They're genuine in their joy. They're genuine in their their sorrow. We we see that. And what we see is it's neat that we get a glimpse of what happens about five years later from this meeting to when the book of Ephesians was written. Here's how Paul starts that letter. He said, For this reason I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, And I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. What happens when a group of shepherds are real and they're compassionate and they're generous? And they teach the truth and make sure that the truth is, is being taught. That they care for all the flock. What, what happens? What we, what we have here, you have a healthy church leadership. And guess what? Healthy church leaderships lead to healthy churches. Paul said, I hear that you are faithful. I hear about your love. I hear about your compassion. I hear about your generosity. And he said, I am thankful. This is the same congregation where these men came from to meet with him. This is five years later. I think this was a good coaching session. What do you think? That they went back and did this. What would you love to hear about a congregation? If you were with a congregation, if you were part of a congregation, you moved away and you said, hey, how's the church doing there? You say, hey, man, they They are faithful. They love God. They love one another. They love people. They have compassionate hearts. They're always looking for a way to serve. And they are generous to all the saints. They support good works. They, they will give out of who they are. Wouldn't you be thankful? That is what we see here. Back to Timothy. <laughs> are you praying about this? I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people and ask God to help them and intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. I pray you'll do that for our shepherds and for our future shepherds. Realize this, Paul has sent Timothy to appoint more elders in a congregation that has elders so that they can continue the work that we have just read about. What do we want to happen here? Continuing and growth, a love for one another, a love for God, a love for the truth, a a love for the lost, and that to continue. And we as God's people must be praying for that as we are looking at that. Because we get a picture of a shepherd. Today, have you learned anything? What we see when we go through this... Paul talks about their humility. Being willing to be introspective and to look at themselves and to look at one another and being willing to be encouragers for one another and also men who will hold one another accountable. Men who are willing to work hard. Men who who have a heart that will care for all the sheep, even the difficult ones. Men who are willing to be alert and, and they are going to say, my strength comes from the Lord. It comes from His Word. It comes from His Spirit. And because of that, I want to protect the flock. I I want want to do what? I want to make sure I can help the weak. I want to be generous. I want to be tenderhearted. That's the kind of men we're looking for. And can I tell you, I think that's the kind of men we already have. And I'm thankful for them. we want men who will serve right along beside them and continue on. As Timothy said, Paul told Timothy, Let's be praying about this. Because what we want is to have shepherds who love the chief shepherd. Who love the master shepherd and and look to him for their strength and look to them for their guidance. This morning, can we help you? This morning, you may say, Hey, I need some shepherding. I'm struggling. I want to be a Christian. I want to give my life to to Christ. I want want His love. I want His forgiveness. I want His leadership. I want His acceptance. Today, I want to give my life to Him. I would love for that to take place today. Where it may be you saying, hey, I, I really need you to pray for me. You may be saying, I think I'm a sheep that may have been difficult to take care of, or I may be a sheep who's wandered and I've come back, and I want them to know that I'm here. And I want them to know that, that they can count on me and I want them to know that and, and you want to take that opportunity today for us to pray for you. Today, if we can help you walk more closely with Christ, would you come now while we stand and while we sing? As I am with you.